Mm. There's a cereal called Life. I didn't even know that. What? It's a board What's game it too. Like? I want to try it. Have you? And the magazine used to be a magazine. Roman is. I want to try. The... You... I want to try the cereal called Life. Your finger is so far away from the pulse right now. You might as well be <laughs> in a graveyard. I've never had Life, but I know about Life. You've never had Life? I've... No. What's what is even Life? Is it just? <laughs> it's just like bad checks, dude. <laughs> I don't know, but I think that it would be a Braden thing. Yeah? I think so. I think so. It's just kind of an ostentatious name, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, gosh. It was created by the people who made the magazine and was sponsored by the magazine for a long time. It was? Yeah, so they could do dual advertising. So they were advertising the cereal in the magazine. I made that up. That's not true. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like time cereal a lot, too. Oh, God. It's dry. It's dry, no matter what. No matter how much milk you put in there, it's hard to get through because it's dry. Perfectly acceptable podcast episode sixty five. Sure, cool. Yeah, we're cruising right along. Just another very classy session with the boys and sometimes girls. Um, where every Tuesday we go pick up a bunch of comic books, we bring them back here, uh, we sort them, count them, go through them, file them away for all of our subscribers, take the ones we're real excited about back home, read them, One. bring them back on Wednesday, and talk about them this week. We are talking about them on a much different day of the week, and hopefully the schedule will stay the same. However, mm-hmm. it might not. I don't know. Time frames as adults are hard. Yeah. They are. I'm Jeff, and I hope that I don't fall behind. I'm Braden, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Roman, and I'm, I'm always running late behind, so this is normal for me. I'm Ashton. I try to be on time. Ashton, you are a considerate boy for sure gosh does he try punctual to almost a fault Mm. except not a fault because you're great yeah Yeah. um and other complimentary things ashton you're here on the podcast yeah this is your second one thanks for being here thank you for having me it's your second one right i was here for uh i'd say the first second two-thirds I like that. Um, Django's off on assignment. Uh, mostly the boy really, really needed a day off, so we tried to put up some strong walls to get him some sleep. So far as I can tell, when he jokes about having taken a nap right before the podcast, that little 20 minutes, that's the only sleep that he gets. Once a week on Wednesday, he naps for about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Wow. His, his, his brain is squirming like a toad. It's definitely squirming like a toad. He's like that movie Rango. Oh, yeah. The little gecko trying to get across the street. Oh, I've been meaning to watch I that again. I never saw it. I can't remember who, who voices Johnny it. Johnny Depp. It's Johnny Depp, isn't it? It's Johnny Depp. Really? Oh, Aww, he's yeah. a chameleon because you never know it's him in the movies. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Ashton, that was good. That was awesome. <laughs> we should refer to actors from now on as chameleons. Oh, gosh. Or snakes in the grass. Or espio. 
<laughs> I think that was a Brayden Miller reference. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's a, that's a fan fiction uh, online that I'm, I'm writing. SBO uh, is a purple chameleon from Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh. And he's very cool. Apologies. Uh, normally, we record this much closer when we have just read it. So um, this is further in the week. So we're going to do our best to have all of the thoughts fresh like um, baker's buns in our like brains. Like they were four days ago. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, it, because of that, we're going to stuff this full of books for quicker discussion. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Ice Cream Man number one. Uh, Strangers in Paradise number one. Days of Hate number one of 12. James Bond 007. The Body. The Bubba Body. The Further Adventures of Nick Wilson. Uh, Batman number 39. Because it's not a comics place podcast unless we talk about some that's Batman. True. Unless it was last week's. It's all. Podcast. It's all for Jay. Yeah, that's true. Batman coming, for Jay. Oh, we're gonna have some buckshot rounds. We're gonna have some power haikus. I don't know if you guys have your haikus ready, but I have mine. Oh, I don't have a haiku. Always, I... Are we gonna talk about Avengers? You're gonna talk about Avengers. Oh, okay, for I'll damn do that. Sure. Okay, I'll do that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that powerful buckshot nine-pound power hour. Oh, God, somebody please just get me into this thing. Ice Cream Man number one. Ice Cream Man. And you'll notice on this cover that... I don't have a copy. There's someone screaming, like you do for ice cream. Ice ice cream for ice cream. Man. Man. The comic book. Number one. By uh, W. Maxwell Prince and art by Martin Morazzo. I think these guys did a really cool book months ago that we read to talk about on the podcast with Mark Russell, and I can't for the life of me remember the name of that four-issue miniseries oh, no. that we read and loved. Oh, the, the, was that the one about the art? Yeah. Right, they had the art agent who was investigating yeah. the Mona Lisa's art being ops. stolen. It wasn't art ops. It no. Was what was that the Electric of? Sublime. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Electric so Sublime. So all of that out. Um, the man, Electric the Sublime. The Electric Sublime. It was a really cool book that they did. Um, it kind of was the first thing I saw them on. They did this. This is way, way different. The art, I absolutely love this dude's art. Uh, Ashton, you were pretty pumped about this book. Can you tell me why you were pumped about it and how you felt about it? Well, I'm a I'm a boy that does like me a nice ice cream treat, and mm-hmm. um, it. I would I would call you a treat boy, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely a treat boy, treat I, guy, really. I enjoy myself a a sugary sweet, <laughs> and ice cream man looked interesting. I I found myself reading a lot of those image number ones mm-hmm. that find themselves rolling on the stands all the time, cruising out, and. The art was awfully captivating. Um, I thought it was the artist that did Generation Gone, but I believe I was mistaken. It's not. That guy's been doing a digital first. He's gonna Black be Panther on this series book. Lately. Is I he? think at some point he's been solicited like on Diamond as That's gonna, doing great. something on this book. I cool. think he'll be popping in eventually. I'm not positive. There's definitely the art looks similar. Yeah, yeah. I guess this was basically just like a. This series is going to be a series of stories connected by the presence of this weird ice cream man who s- doesn't fit in with other... Like, he's kind of scary, but kind of not. You see him running through the woods almost naked at one point. Maybe he's a werewolf, but mostly the story was about... Yeah. Uh, spoilers, by the way. Oh, That's spoilers. right, yeah. We yes. He might be Content a werewolf. Spoilers. And all these other books, the characters might be werewolf as I well. got to yep. get better about remembering that. That's easy to forget. I mean, yeah. who cares about... We read these think. a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else has already read these. But yeah, no, he's maybe a werewolf and maybe a, a 
a magician? Maybe uh, an interdimensional weird ookie boy? Uh, maybe just a murderer? Yeah. It's uh, it's very unclear. All the above. But he's he's weird, but the main story, he was a background character. The main story of this is that a kid who got ice cream from him has been living in this house with his rotting dead parents who were bitten by an incredibly poisonous spider who's been living in the house that apparently likes children and won't bite him. It's his pet. It's his pet, and gosh darn it, if it wasn't roll spooky, Roman likes a spider. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, was, I really enjoyed this book. Really dug it. I had no idea there was a spider, and I'm laying in bed, and I turn that page, and the first panel at the top <gasps> is this big—I forget what kind of spider it is. It's a real spider, most venomous spider in the world, or something. Oh, and that yeah, was at the top of the page, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's a spider story! Crap." The spider's name is Rupert. Rupert. Oh. Rupert the spider. Um. I, I I looked up the name of the spider and was reminded of these, probably my favorite part of the book was these narration boxes, which I thought were done really well. And like, I don't know, just their tone and cadence and describing this spider, basically, and some of the other stuff that goes on. You're right. Those were really well done. Yeah. Like, you know, usually like you great. see a text box and it's like, ugh, what's this going to explain to me now? But these ones were like kind of fun. and Yeah, it wasn't just like, the clunky ugh, expository writing mm-hmm. 101 here you go yeah no it's it's interesting facts and it, it just felt more conversational than for sure like, spitting facts at you yeah uh i don't know all in all yeah i think this was a real good book it's like sold out everywhere it's gone to a second print the copies are going online yeah. for a bunch of money we still have like one or two left in the store like i liked it and it was yeah. good but like i did not expect it to be like the next sleeper hit from image yeah it's it's weird. I, it, it has like a Twilight Zone or Black Mirror vibe to me. I've never watched yeah. Black Mirror, um, mm-hmm. but it seems like a similar thing. Just like weird, unrelated vignettes connected by maybe a theme or just a background character. But I really liked it. I, I really want to read the other issues, but it, it it just was really easy to get through and fun to get through and made me feel gross. Yeah, it was very affecting. Had one of my most hated things, a spider, a big spider. And one of my most loved things, a werewolf. Mm. It, was, it was really... Ugh. And ice cream. And I, Oh, yeah, I, I do like ice cream. Oh, but did you notice the kid, the little fat kid? What's his name? Mm-hmm. Brian. Bryce. Bryce? Uh, Brian. Byron. 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 When he gets home, I mean, he's finished... It's pretty funny. He, he finishes his ice cream, and he just tosses the cone, because, you know, it's just a cone. But what? I was still like, what? The wait, cone, wait, wait. Cones are Roman's awesome. a cone boy. He's here for the cone. I love the cone. A waffle Roman's... cone. I don't like sugar cones. Really? It's got to be a waffle cone. I'm the other way. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, cone preference? Man, it took me a long time to come into the cone as an art. Um, <laughs> I mean, you, I, you weren't tossing your cones, were I was you? getting it in a cup, Braden. I was getting <laughs> okay. in a goddamn cup. Okay, at least you weren't <laughs> getting a, a cone and wasting it. on the side for my bubble gum. <laughs> As I was leaving the Baskin Robbins at Northtown, I was spitting my bubble gums into another cup. <gasps> Is it the one at the Y? Well, I also did that one. Okay. But Northtown's Baskin Robbins. Oh yeah, they have one there. Yeah. Okay. I love Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Heck yeah. And I would give this sweet treat. Um, a, I would give it seven cones. Seven point five cones. I think it did everything really, really well. I, I liked it. I liked it very much. Uh, actually, I give it an eight. I'm sorry. I'm just talking myself up from a seven to an eight. But uh, no complaints about it. It didn't blow my hair back. It wasn't a deep story that I really wanted to learn about. It didn't make me feel like I was unlocking a deeper truth within myself or in the universe. It just uh, was good fun that didn't feel like work at any point. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with my seven. Um, 
It was good. It was, uh, I don't know if I want to read a whole lot more, but I'm definitely going to read more. And we'll see if it gets any deeper. Yeah, I don't I have no idea where it's going, but Electric Sublime was like a pretty deep meta story. Okay. Like, That's exciting. About, yeah, creativity and all sorts oh, of business. God, look at him holding the spiders. The legs are all ugh. yucky. Man, I love it. When, I, when he, the, the cops go in and the parents are all twisted because they're all paralyzed and they're, they're, they're been poisoned by spiders. Oh, God. It's creepy. I'll give it a nine. Oh. Because it, it really, I had to very consciously think of something else before I go to sleep so I won't have spider nightmares. Oof. Spider night. Outtow, how many do you give it? Uh, I'm going to give Ice Cream Man a 7.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to read more to be invested in the story, but for a first issue, it gave me enough to be happy, and I feel like it was 80% worth the wait. So... Mm-hmm. Um, 7.5 out of 10. So that's like if you were eating ice cream cones, you would have gotten like halfway into that eighth one and then thrown the cone away. I mean, I don't I don't like to waste food, but I'd throw the, the tip of the cone where the chocolate's at away. Okay, all right. What? I was, yeah, you don't have to eat, you don't <laughs> just, have to eat the tip. Just trying to throw it back to these boys, and they just sat there with the most like, that's stupid. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I, I, I could see throwing away the tip. I, I, for this comic, I, I would eat it all. I don't care what I'm rating anything. I'm eating the whole cone. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a sh- k- k- waffle cone. A s- He's a still s- going to eat the whole goddamn cone. Oh, yeah. Listen, you guys, four professional journalists. Mm-hmm. We've done the legwork. We've yes. done the required reading. <laughs> we've put the work in. we put the time in. We've got valued opinions. Four gentlemen who know a lot about Strangers in Paradise who started reading the revival sequel series Strangers in Paradise 25 that came out this week, number one by Terry Moore, written and drawn and everything, self-published by Terry Moore, follow-up to the long-running, hugely loved, critically acclaimed breakout series Strangers in Paradise. Easily all of our personal favorite. Easily a thing that we've all spent a lot of time with. We all read that huge run. Mm Mm-hmm. And stuff. I know it really well. I know you guys know it as well or better. Josh, what, I, I, can't, I, I can't keep this up. If uh, what, I mean, what if Terry's listening and he's like, oh, these guys are so good. Oh, Terry, like my books. Like a sweet man. Okay. Journalistic integrity. Okay, okay. full confession. Yeah, full confession. I've never read Strangers in Paradise. Neither have I. Mm, neither have I. Ashton, I... you've got to be the guy. You're the man about town, kid on the street, right? Ah, uh, this is the first Terry Moore book I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, Terry. <laughs> listen, Terry, we hear your book is very good, and yeah. I, uh, I've always meant I to read it. I definitely want to read more now. Yeah. It's I have been on the, the whole... list for years. Yeah, I have the whole series. Oh, but Terry... I've read, I've read everything else he's written except Strangers in Paradise. <laughs> there's, just, there's just no colors in it, so it doesn't grab my attention right away. <laughs> But God damn but, I mean, it, they if don't, we're not it doesn't giving need it, colors. God damn it if we're not giving it a real fair shot by starting 25 years into the run. Oh, heck no. We're, we're going. It's like me and Savage Dragon, who I'm reading that book now that it turns out it became a porn book at some point. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> somehow, Eric. Well, well, we do know, I mean, the most basic premise that Kachku and... and Kachu. And I don't even know the name of her, her partner, the tall one, the tall brunette. Right. And then um, the other boy. But they're a couple. At some point in Strangers in the Paradise, they got together. They were friends. They got together. I think the whole series is sort of a love triangle between Kachu, the other girl, and the guy. 
Yeah, there was a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I bet his name is Peter. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mr. Strangers in Paradise guy. So, so now that we're all cut up on Strangers in Paradise. Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think of this issue? Ashton? I, Roman? Anybody? I read it. I too read it. And I, I read it as well. I was satisfied with my time in this unfamiliar world. Um, it has a lot of characters in it. They all look kind of similar. Yeah. Um, near the, near the, the middle end of the story, I was not following who was who or what was what. Mm-hmm. But I'm intrigued, and I think I might go forward and read some more of the new Strangers in Paradise, but I don't know that I'll go back and read more. Yeah. I hear it. Terry? I hear more? Oh, oh Braden. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I think I liked just about all of this, except for there's a flashback at some point where it goes... They start talking about stuff that I'm sure must have happened in previous issues. The black hole science stuff. Yeah, and I'm yeah. and I'm glad that stuff is later in the book, and it it because the, the rest of it whetted my appetite for the whole series. But I would say that like the pacing in it is really really good until it gets to that part, and then it really bogs down. But like there are full pages where I think he just does really really wonderful almost entirely visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't really use text for, like, four pages, but you see somebody, like, getting a message, breaking into a small area of their house, grabbing a go bag, running away from town. Like, he's able to convey a lot of story without any words at all. Uh, and I think that that really speaks to his, like, skill as a cartoonist. Yeah. The, uh, the, the opening sequence of the guy getting his phone stolen by a whole group of people like I thought was just choreographed and laid out really well and like easy to underneath like it was super easy to follow which is not something usually like compliment a book for but it's worth mentioning like how easy it is to lose a reader in long drawn out sequences like that but I don't know it kept I I knew who was chasing the whole time you see the phone get passed to someone else and then you're following them and it's just panel to panel, this whole chase scene was very, like, fun to follow. And then it ends with this woman getting the phone and taking the SIM card out. And he, he yells at her, like, hey! And she just gives him this look that's just kind of like, what? Like, I'm down here with your SIM card. Like, clearly he should be upset. And clearly she's, like, giving him this look, like, as if he shouldn't be upset. Like, he should have seen this coming. But it's just like, ugh, it was great. And... And I didn't expect this woman to have like his his girlfriend to have this uh, this whole go bag escape situation ready to yeah. go like, and so when that turn suddenly happened and like, like just just in her dialogue even like, the conversation tone shifts and she just starts asking him, who this woman was that stole from him and like what exactly she looked like and just like, she is gone and that tonal shift I thought was done really well. Yeah. Um... I love, love, love his art. Like in the series that I like, I one particular thing, his shots of cities in the snow, like mm. is one of my absolute favorite, favorite things. I think he's absolutely like one of the best 
comic book in terms of like creating <laughs> environments or like rural areas. That's yeah. always amazing. Um, and then also his like human bodies. Like it's it's not like Marvel DC like skin tight outfits. Like everyone is shaped like a real person. Um, I don't know. You can tell he really knows his characters. Like I I really admire his art and. He, and though I'm not always super interested in his stories, like I read the beginning of Strangers in Paradise. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not always immediately grabbed by the stories, but I just love looking at his pictures. And I, I really, really like the black and white nature of it. Like mm-hmm. I, uh, there are some people who, you know, are good at black and white comic book storytelling. And, and underground black and white comic book storytelling is a, a pretty important part of comic history. So I, I'm glad that there's somebody that sort of still does that and it gets this much attention. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you're right about the. <clears throat> you're well. You're right about all that, but yeah, that is something in particular with him. His his snow scenes. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of those in uh, Rachel Rising, yep. and it's always just you can just stare at it and feel the chill in the air and the smoke from the chimneys. And yeah, stuff. there's yeah, there's like no color in that that panel that's also at the front, but it's got like there's smoke, there's like tree line, there's snowflakes. Like, like the next house, page, like the garage opens. Yeah, and icicles like, hanging from the garage. It's mm. all. S- it's all black and white, and it's all just like kind of bleak winter, but it's all super easily like distinguished. And he does winter a, a lot, so yeah, yeah. His his stuff, yeah. The action, everything always flows so well. I mean, these pages here are the only. There's no dialogue. There's no text other than sound effects. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see a Terry Moore comic that he just told visually, because just he does I would that love so well. That. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think part of that comes from writing and drawing your own yeah, story. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. But he, he I think can, he does it particularly well. Yeah, think about the yeah. physical space. Yeah, I was curious about. I'm I'm interested to see what's going on with Laura, the wife here that takes off the go bag, and how this ties in with. I'm not sure if this woman here is the woman who stole her phone. Is that Kach, Kachku? Kachu. Kachu. <laughs> and it, I don't believe it was. It's not okay. Um, unless it was. The I don't, woman who my, shows up at her house, I think, is. Kachu looked a lot like that girl. There, like, the, there's yeah. two blonde women in this, and I think the main difference is their hair. And I, I got them confused. Um, so, I, I guess that's my only complaint is that these are characters that he drew and are loved and read. And I think that that would be less confusing if, if I had known the characters. Yeah, the woman yeah. who steals his phone is definitely the same woman who breaks into her house. Yeah, I just don't know right. if that's Kachu, who's one okay. of the main characters in the original run. Sure. And yeah. d- is the girl on the front is Kachu. Okay. Yeah, and on the back cover. Oh, I think that's her. Okay. I am curious, too, also if... And apparently Laura... It's the same outfit. Laura, who runs, is a Parker girl, whatever that is, which we would know if we'd read that earlier. And that's, like, I think but, the company that's related to the whole black hole science stuff, and yeah. we're just a bunch of... And I'm wondering if this accident, this collider, super collider accident with the black hole and everything, does that tie into... It may not at all, but I was wondering if that ties into Echo, which was his big science fiction series. I think allegedly and I read his, Echo. his books are starting to tie in together to yeah. each other. They are, because in the previews I saw the cover for issue three of this, and there's a character kind of on the side that's um, from Rachel Rising. Okay, cool. Mm. And Motor Girl had somebody from Strangers in Paradise, so they're all sort of moving together. Okay. So yeah, I give this a 7.5. I, I, like, I think it's really good, and I, I think that it's probably incredibly... Uh, rewarding for people who read the original series because it seems pretty similar to that but um, it is very I think that I think that you're only going to be able to get so much out of it unless you've read the original and I think that there's a, been a, a lot more room for maybe enjoyment if you if you have but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy this yeah, but yeah. it definitely builds on stuff that's already happened mm-hmm. 
Yeah, excuse us. Or uh, pardon our ignorance on this series. Yeah, Terry. If, if you're Sorry, if Terry. you're Sorry, if, if you're familiar with Strangers in Paradise, call in and you know write us and correct us. Give whatever. us a haiku about that. Yeah, oh, give yeah. us a haiku, please. Um, I'm gonna give this book an eight out of ten. I thought mm-hmm. it was. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna overlook some of the expository background stuff and just kind of keep going with it and see how it is because I enjoy the the storytelling in itself because it's done so well. Yeah, and that's something you don't see in a ton of comics right now. Yeah, I'll give it a yeah I'll give it a seven point five because I'm gonna continue. Just I trust Terry Moore. I've everything else I've read by him. I've really enjoyed. I'm going to give it an eight. Ooh. I haven't read any Strangers in Paradise as we covered, but uh, despite that, when reading the story, I felt uh, the quality of the book, and I was able to lightly carry through what was going on, um, and I can appreciate that in a book that, despite it being however far it is in now uh, uh uncle terry takes care of you you know yeah. uncle uncle terry uncle terry's gonna tuck you in he's gonna make sure there's some milk and some cookies by the bed there's gonna be a candle burning as you go to bed he's gonna check on you in the night make sure you're not up wandering around with your nightcap you know kind of freaked out like a fever dream you know he uncle terry cares you better blow out that candle middle of the night well he'll, he'll use one of those little uh candle you know putter the, christmas putter routers oh yeah the little, yeah those are great yeah they are great snuffers snuffers yeah so <laughs> listen um i think we're gonna move towards uh the cot corner which i think Ooh, that yeah. we all i think we all like alish cot but i think that we all probably oh. can't sever a relationship with justin in our mind from alish cot so Did justin like alice cot yeah yeah <laughs> justin was kidding. a big fan and he was going to give him an interview, but then Alish Cott stood him up oh, that's right. mm-hmm. to go on a date with Lindsay Lohan. Um, wow. <laughs> so we've got a couple Alish Cott books. I'm just filled with misinformation today. Yeah. Um, Braden, what do you got on this? Um, Days of Hate is by Alish Cott. And. Where's the. Steve credits? Bannon, apparently. Oh. No, no, that's a quote. Daniel Zells. And Jordi Bellar are in colors. Um, gosh, this book. What happened? <laughs> it's uh, it's in like what twenty twenty two, post actual America, like, and it seems like Trump style crazy, intense, hateful conservatism has kind of taken the reins full throttle at this point in time. And like it opens with the like a gay bar getting uh, massacred, pretty brutal. I mean, it doesn't show that thankfully, but it has some a couple detectives uh, investigating the aftermath of that, and they kind of talk about how it's been overlooked as like an accident by authorities, even though it's, it's clearly done with intent. And gosh, it's pretty bleak and made me sad and. Eventually, this girl comes to a very American bar, like, not American, like, pro-America, alt-right Nazi bar, and shoots her Nazi boyfriend, and then walks away, and then someone else is getting interviewed about their wife, 
and their involvement with resistance or uh, non-compliance with government stuff. It was kind of, it was a lot. It's it's and a it was, lot and of it was pretty bleak. Yeah, a lot of world building. I, uh, it's sort of like Mr. Miracle. Um, it was a book that I've only read once so far, and I took a lot of information in in terms of trying to set a stage and didn't really latch on to characters yet and didn't really latch on to what's going on yet. I really, I actually really liked it. Um, but I, I don't have a lot to say about the story itself so far because I really don't know where it's going and some stuff happens at the end that sort of, sort of sets the stage. Um, I guess my main thoughts about it, because I want to keep reading it because Alex Scott mm-hmm. does really interesting stuff, so I definitely will. Um, but the art is what is really interesting to me. Um, it's on a really interesting style, sort of like John Paul Leon. Um, it's This guy did the book Starve, Django was saying. Um, I think... It's this weird mix between, like, at some times, like, the faces are really rough, and there's, like, just, like, a lot of heavy black inks, and it almost can feel, like, muddled or maybe amateurish at times, but then, like, the next page is, like, beautiful, and it, I, I don't, I don't think it's amateurish at all, it's just very stylistic, uh, I, it's very interesting art. I, it's it's worth checking out. There's some, like the stuff in it that is really really awesome. Is like the cityscapes mm-hmm. and buildings and rooms and there's just a gorgeous double page spread of this future city at night and it's it's he does like some clear like spray paint stuff where yeah. he's like creating a wall and and painting around it and it's 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 really interesting storytelling. It it sets a vibe really well, but it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's really really unique. So that combined with the sort of huge amount of information and context that you're acquiring, um, he's not just dumping info on you. You're sort of like pulling the things around you to create context, and it's not super clearly done, but it's interestingly done. Um, <clears throat> I really, yeah, I really like this. I'm curious, curious where it's going. Um, our main character, the black-haired woman. Uh, I don't think we get her first name, but Miss Zing um, is being interviewed by this guy that's the head investigator of the Special National Police Unit for the Matters of Domestic Terrorism. So in this far alt-right world, we've got this new special police thing with, I'm sure, far-ranging abuses of their power. Uh, apparently, in, in his interview, he, it comes out that there was a civil war at some point. Yeah. Um, and Zing and her former lover, her partner, they both lost their jobs, economic hardship. Um, they lost their baby. They were drifting apart. One of them became very radicalized, and now that's what she's being questioned about is her former lover's uh, radical leftist activities. And it turns out at the very end, we def- our main character, Zing, she's very mad at her former lover, and she's going to do some bad things to her, apparently, in, in kind of to meet her own goals, and, and, and probably ends up dovetailing with what this investigator, government investigator, wants. So there's some nasty stuff coming up, I'm sure. Yeah, I... After talking about it, I, I it goes up for me. I would give it a an 8... After talking about it, yeah. it's it's just a really interesting premise, and 
I think I'm going to actually enjoy this a lot more on a second read because uh, I, I didn't really get motives nearly as well on my first read, but now I've been just flipping through it. Like I kind of understand why what's going on is going on, and it, it makes it a lot easier to put in, so I'll definitely give it a second read. Ashton, what do you think, buddy? Um, I am a fan of Alish Khat, and uh, I was very excited for this book when I became aware that he wrote it, which was not until the day of release. Um, it takes quite a departure from everything else he's written. Uh, granted, every single one of his books have their own very defined tone yeah. or spot. No, you're right. I agree. Um, not n- None of his books are like another. Zero mm-hmm. is on the opposite side of Generation Gone. Which is way different than Material, which is way different than Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to read this entire series. I'm curious to see where it goes. I wasn't head over heels for the art. Um, it's like charcoal. It, yeah, no, that's totally what it's like. It's like a weird, heavy, smudgy darkness, and it's hard to place, but it actually does look a lot like there's charcoal used. Yeah, it's it's like charcoal that I... It's a, it's not the style that I usually love, um, but it's not keeping me away because there are parts that I really love, such as the uh, cityscape double-page spread that Jeff brought up earlier. Um, so there are things keeping me pulled in with the art, and I want to know what uh, Mr. Cott has to say with his writing. So what do you give it? I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Um, I'll read more of it, but I don't have any strong feelings about it right now. I dig that. Brandon, did I get a score from you? No. Oh. oh did I get a score from you? I thought that I gave it an eight or seven point yeah, five. Yeah, you gave out a score. I think I think I did. Yeah, okay. I think it first. Um, we'll, 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 we'll go with eight. I uh, I do really really like the art, not just on the 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 spread, which is amazing, but just whenever it's kind of zoomed out from just one or two people, I think is really well done. The spray paint effects, especially with like the lights, they're all like mm-hmm. these kind of like diamond. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I was a little, a little lost keeping track of who was who and who wanted what, but I was engaged enough to keep through it and I want to know more. So Brayden, Cot had another book in our Cot corner this week. Oh gosh. Just climb aboard the Cot, take a, take a nap and... Clamber on into this cot. Thank you. I'm used to looking at Django when I talk, and uh, <laughs> he's not here, and he grounds me. Oh, yeah. Um, which is to say he keeps me in trouble. And, and I, I never just get to leave the house. keep you on your toes. You just keep me on <laughs> my toes. Um, James Bond 007, The Body, is by uh, Alish Cott and artist Luca Casalanguida. I should probably look <laughs> at the names before I'm reading them oh, on the yeah. spot. But, <clears throat> um this surprised me that it was a book he was putting out. He's also putting out a Bloodborne comic book. Yeah. Um, which is cool, but he's definitely diversifying his brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braden, what did you think about this? Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. I've never read a James Bond comic book before, but I thought this was a really, really good take on the character and explores him from an angle that isn't typically explored, at least in my experience, which... 
in this one, it opens with him being battered and bruised and very shirtless and very uh, Punisher Platoon Frank Castle looking. Uh, but he's got a doctor examining him and asking him and kind of going through his wounds and asking him about what happened. And James Bond explains how funny it is that Roman's Roman is trying eating not Pringles to into the eat mic Pringles into the mic. Oh, gosh. He's doing a good job of it because <laughs> we're certainly not bringing attention to it. <laughs> but no, uh, so James Bond is telling his doctor about this this party he went to. He was trying to stop an assassination from happening and he was trying to find out who the assassin at the party was and stop them eventually he does find them gets in a big old fight falls down some stairs gets stabbed and beaten up which is what it, hence the doctor and like the fight is good and brutal and intense which i like it's not just like some super martial arts expert combat guy just like taking someone down it's like a it's like a bloody fight that like you can feel like that like it hurts both of them i think the cool thing about that fight is that that it's you're visually being fed this fight while the narrative on top of it is between james and the doctor Mm -hmm. so you're you're being visually told this flashback while a different almost unrelated conversation is happening above it yeah there's like so at at a certain point the doctor is like going over his things and he says one dislocated ring finger, and, like, you see the ring finger, like, punching in, and it's, like, three broken ribs, 17 stitches, and all that stuff. It's kind of, like, it's good. And then at the end of the fight, like, the doctor says, and a mental health exam, right before the next page where Bond pulls a letter out of the assassin's wallet that says, basically, please forgive me. I never wanted to do this. They threatened my family. And, like, it's just, like, like, oh, shit. Like, usually, like, you see James Bond just, like, kill people left and right and think think nothing of it really but i just love that basically this whole thing takes place around the conversation that james is having with the doctor and the doctor has like a very playful banter with him and at some point he's comments on like i really appreciate you being this forward with me like you can just keep talking and like most people don't disclose this much and and it's not really clear necessarily why why james is more that he's it seems like maybe uh, guilt is causing him to sort of replay this and process it to the doctor. But yeah, it, I mean, we're open up to basically some greater mystery. And at the end, the quote of James saying, I want it to hurt. Oh is, yeah. After being offered pain pills. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I want it to hurt. And it's, it's Hobbit. It's, it's cool because like he killed this dude who wasn't supposed to be killed. And, and I, I mean, was supposed to be killed, but he was being framed basically. And this was all supposed to happen. And, and James is, paying for the the sin of killing this guy by not taking any uh, relief from the pain, and I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is good. Plus not- it has a nice uh, contrast with the first page and the yeah. last page. It's like oh, yeah. almost the same expression, except he's like dressed up and ready to feel that pain. He looks a lot like Frank Castle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was something I liked in this, too, and I didn't, I didn't compare, I didn't, you know, Google some pictures of the actor, but I thought he kind of looked like... Um, a little bit like George Lazenby, who only played Bond once in, uh, mm-hmm. I think, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the one where Bond actually gets married. Um, to Emma Peel from The Avengers. Um, Not The Avengers, guys and girls. The TV Avengers. 
Steed and Peel. Uh, you're yeah. thinking of Agents yeah. of Shield. Yeah. You're thinking no. of Coulson from Agents of Shield. <laughs> Ashton, did you read this? You're you're a cock guy. I, I mean, I made him flip through it really quick. Okay. I did read it. Um, one thing I did want to contribute is that I interpreted uh, this may be far off, but I interpreted this as earlier in James Bond's career, mm. and I may have been reading James as the um uh the guy that got killed. Oh. But, so um, the maybe the identity wasn't super clear to you as you Oh, you know what? Well, yeah, it was like like cuz James was the wine server or the champagne. Uh-huh. He was the, he was the waiter and there was something where it was saying like uh a person kept staring at the target and that could have been both James mm. and the guy with the letter in his pocket. Um, so that wasn't super clear to me. Um, I thought this may have been like a coming of spy age story oh, yeah. for James. And I do think, yeah, it, I consider them to be sort of early in his career. So that that's interesting. Yeah, there is, I mean, the art, they they do look like similar dudes. Big, burly dudes with black hair and furrowed brows. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were, you were giving it a, a quick read, too, downstairs. I did give it a quick read. Um, does, does anybody have scores for it? Feelings? Summative statements? Nine. I like it. I think Ellis Cott is a great writer to tackle a character like this. I'm going to give it an eight, and I would say that Alex Scott had an awesome showing for comic books this week, and I'm really excited for his Bloodborne series, and I'm also definitely going to keep reading both of these books. So I'm I'm really I'm really happy that his work stands at the quality that it does. Um, after Zero finished, he went into Material, which never finished, and then Wolf, which never finished, and there was just this like year and a half period where it was like, oh, did he? blow his creative load and now there's just sort of like unfinished uh, disjointed series and i'm really glad to have a couple like three series in the last year by him yeah. that are all i think really high quality i liked it I, I, i'd probably give it a uh i think i'll give it a seven because yeah i'll definitely read the next one um i like bond in general and it it did it, it, it i like the lazenby thing looks like lazenby a little bit of sean connery possibly in the eyes but yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. I really like the fact, as you said, that he's actually opening up to the Doctor, which yeah. could also be maybe another bit of evidence for early in Bond's career. Maybe he's not so hardened and yeah. closed-lipped yeah. about everything as he is later. Um, Outow, what did you think? I'm going to give it a 7 for now. Uh, I did give it a pretty light read. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I need to give it a more thorough uh, examination <laughs> before I can give it a true score. Uh, for now, I'm at a seven. Um, I think after it would probably bump up to an eight or an eight point five, because um, I like James Bond and I like Alice Cott, and there are things that I like about this art, <laughs> like uh, when James is. On the ground reading the letter, he looks like a real human. He's got some folds under his chin because uh, he's trying to awkwardly uh-huh. angle his neck at it. <laughs> and I really appreciate little things like that in art. Alishcott, way to go, buddy. Good week. I think it's time for everybody to mount up. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, get your buckshot hats on, Uh-oh. boys, mm-hmm. because my eyes are squinting in that way that it does when that, I... Oh, Braden's that, buckshot that, that, hats that Clint on. Clint Eastwood way. <laughs> like Rowdy, Rowdy Eights. Rowdy Eight. Yeah. Uh, the eighth Mighty Duck movie. Mm. D8. The Rowdy Eight. I can't believe they went on for that long. <laughs> I know, and the fact that they got Emilio Estevez wow. to show up in every, every single one. God. Quack. 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 <laughs> Quack. Quack, no. Buck I didn't. I, Buck I didn't know there was more than two of those movies. Jeez. Well, there was at rolling. least three. You didn't even know what life cereal was. I know. I'm, I've led a shelter. Well, I was raised in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> Buckshot boys, here we are. It's loaded. It's loaded. It's loaded. <laughs> Ashton, get ready for your first buckshot, my little bud. <laughs> your bud shot. I hated every minute of that. I'm sorry that what I just said. I'm sorry it lasted so many minutes. Yeah, almost a whole quarter of a minute. Rome doggy. You're the guy. You're just chomping at the bit. You're the chow, cow chewing the cud right now. He's off the leash. You got one and one half minutes off that leash, Roman Statler. Go. Good lord. Superman number thirty nine. It's called Good Good Night Moon with this beautiful cover. This issue, Superman and Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, take a bunch of kids with cancer up to the Justice League satellite to spend the day with the Justice League. And it's awesome. They go on a scavenger hunt. They they show them zero gravity. Then Aquaman takes them swimming because apparently they have a giant pool on the satellite. I mean, and it's just so much fun. Um, they all try and get back and smile and... and I won't say if it happens or not. But at the very end, Superman's got the kids out there on the moon. They all put carve their names on moon rocks so their names are up there forever now. And then there's this final shot looking at the Earth. It's gorgeous. It's such a great Superman. This is a beautiful issue. You should read it. Loved it. Uh, Avengers, no, Avengers, what is this? Avengers 676, which is part two of No Surrender. You know, I trust Mark Wade and I trust Al Ewing, so I'm hoping this... Turns out good, but so far I'm kind of like, you know, there's this character, uh, Voyager, that apparently was with the Avengers from day one. Everyone's forgotten about her, but she shows up in this issue before this. All the Avengers remember her as, like, the heart of the team, even more than Captain America. And they start recounting all these issues in Avengers history that she was there for, but she was erased from history. But now she's back, and everyone just automatically remembers her. We've seen this before, you know, with Sentry. We've seen it with uh, that DC with... Uh, triumph in the Justice League, so I'm kind of like, oh, God, really, again? Rome, doggy, what do you give each one? Um, and also, we Ashton, as you, this is your first buckshot, we also pause for questions. So do you have any oh, questions yeah. about anything you mentioned, yeah. or he'll just move to a score? I think you did a pretty well-covered job of elaborating upon them. Okay, cool. We also have a, a cool, moment thanks. where we all evaluate their, their bug shots. So I also think you did just fine, Roman. Aw, oh, thanks, guys. Um, what would I give them? Oh, jeez, and something else happens at the end of this Avengers. That, oh, God, again? Did they surrender? They didn't surrender. Never surrender. But, <laughs> Avengers, but, no surrender. But in a way, the mansion, well, no, the mansion didn't surrender either, but yet again, Avengers mansion is blown to smithereens. Is Jarvis okay? <laughs> uh, we don't know. Jarvis. We don't know yet. Come on. I'll I'll give Avengers No Surrenders a num- number six seventy six part two. I don't know. I'll give it a. F- I'm hoping I can give it more in the future, but I just don't care all that much yet. I'll give it a five so far. Five point five. That's generous so far. Superman, I will give a eight point five. I didn't love the art in it, so I haven't read it yet. But everyone has just said it's like a stunning Superman book, so it's I can't great. wait to read it. It's so much fun. Did That's you great. not love it, Brayden? Oh, I haven't read it. Okay. <laughs> Brayden, 
You're a man about town, kid on the streets, kicking those heels every morning, getting them out of the, the cold like, bed, kicking that dust up, making sure everybody knows your name. It's pretty warm in my apartment. That's what I like about you. <laughs> you make me feel all right. Braden Smith, one minute, 30 seconds on the clock. Go. Um, I'm going to talk about Fence, number three, by C.S. Picot and Johanna the Mad. It's a book about fencing, and I like it a lot. And it's got this very manga, like, sports anime kind of vibe to it that I really, really enjoy. It reminds me of the That's anime Ping Pong I've I've watched, which is very good. Um, but it's basically about these, uh, the main characters, this kind of rough-and-tumble kid whose, like, father was, like, an Olympic competitor in fencing. And, like, he's roommates with this other kid who beat him pretty soundly, like, in some old tournament, who's, like, this professional like kind of the rich snobby kid who's like the perfect fencer and they're going to the same school trying to get on the fencing team and it's got all the kind of typical sportsy roommatey type stuff which is a lot of fun and this one gets into a lot of like finer technique stuff that i thought was really interesting and portrayed well there's a point where the coach is instructing the main character on where his technique is off and like how it should be and like each time It'll, she'll say something in the left panel like, here's what you're doing wrong, and here's how it should be, and then on the next panel is how his arm should be. And so it's just like slight changes, like just his stance being off and then like fixed in the next panel was like really interesting to follow that, having like never fenced before, known anything really about it. Just the detail on the rules and how it's done was really exciting. Also, all the characters are really cool. <laughs> Um, what'd you give it? One out of ten? Uh, nine out of ten. Uh, you've wanted to talk about the whole series, so if you want to take just yeah, a second, yeah, I, 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 I missed uh, talking about it when it first came out because I was gone. But it's it's super great, and like I don't know, all all the characters are cool, and a lot of them are gay or have some queer overtones that are really fun to see that you don't see in comics very much. And I don't know the the whole. It's got a very very fun manga feel that you don't see a lot in American comics. Not that you can't get manga in America, but... You can get it at the comics place. This one has color. Oh, cool. I, I really do love black. I was going to read this one anyway, but especially now that you mentioned the thing about the actual fencing mm-hmm. technique and stuff, that, sound, that sounds yeah, pretty Yeah, it was a lot, that, of, that, a lot of cool training stuff in this one. Your shoulder at those pages. Those mm-hmm. nice yeah, pages. realizing that's what's going on as you were talking about, I do think that's a really well-done page. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Braden, would you put a minute and a half on the clock for me so oh. I can do a little biggity buckshot? Oh, shot? my gosh. Well, let me let me set it to one minute and 30 seconds. The buckshot is loaded. Start now. All right. I got Super Sons number 12 by T- Tomasi Gleason and Kirkham. This is the final issue of the Super Sons of Tomorrow. You got t- New 52, Tim Drake flowing through time, all of the continuity. They wrap up this whole really not super complex story that I'm just conflicted about. I think it was awesome while also being very not that good. The character Savior is really dumb and then at the same time really awesome. But this, as a five-issue just bouncing around miniseries, uh, I actually just think it was really good. It just was. It was just some classic DC stuff. Superman's kind of a jerk at one point, but 
it's pretty the whole way through. It's a lot of characters that you don't get to see that often, or I don't really see that often. So it, I, I really liked it, and it also bridged the gap between pre-New 52 continuity, New 52 continuity, and this one. It has little bits of everybody in there, so that's a really cool thing that they did. Um, Mighty Thor, number 703, by Jason Aaron and Russell Dowderman. I'm just going to keep talking about this each issue until the end of their run about Jane Foster <laughs> Thor. It's The art is unbelievably gorgeous. He just, like, his thick ink line, the, the colors in it, which I believe Matt Wilson is doing, the colors are absolutely astounding. This is all three of those people their voices are really strongly in it but Mangog is coming it is scary and Jane Foster is about to die and uh, um, yeah you got you know Thor's dad Odin being a real coward and so the his wife Freya I forget her name uh, no. ends up taking the destroyer armor out and wow. fights Mangog it's super awesome then we have oh, cool. WWE number 13 it's the last issue of the sort of main story oh that's uh, you know the last issue of the main story before the female revolution starts. Man, Freya and the destroyer armor. That oh man, that's cool. It was real cool. <sighs> Gosh, it gets destroyer. I didn't though. know Odin was such a fucking coward. Though he is a fucking coward, and he has been since Jason Aaron introduced. I guess I didn't know that. I'll give this issue a nine for sure. It's uh, it's just an unbelievably good comic. I I, I don't know. It's not like. It's in the middle of its run, I guess, near the end. But, like, the beginning of series, it's really easy to give a book a high score. And the end of a series, like, when it ends, you can give a book a high score. For me, like, when things are in the middle, it can be very easy to take them for granted. And this is a book that's been in the middle, you know, for a while. Uh, the middle of its story, that is. Mm. Um, and so when you're trudging through the weeds of, like, figuring out what's going on, it can be easy to feel like it's a little bit of work. But this is just, like, a joy. It's it's some of the finest comic booking that is coming out. No surprise it's Jason Aaron. Super Sons of Tomorrow. I give the whole arc uh, an eight. What do you give Savior? And I give this issue an eight point five because it was one of the better ones. I give the character Savior a seven, which is higher wow. than I would have thought. That's higher than I thought. Yeah. I really like the idea of. The pre-New 52 DC Universe, Tim Drake, um, being raised, like that timeline going forward, Bruce being gone, uh, Damien becoming Batman. I really loved the, like, Kyle or Christopher Yost, Kyle Yost, Red Robin run, where Tim Drake, like, I think there's really cool Tim Drake characterization that's been done, and... I think it's a shame to let that all be thrown to the wayside to make room for the, like, New 52 and Rebirth Tim Drake who I think is an inherently less interesting character. but uh, So I'm glad they're keeping him alive in some way. I always have wished that uh, Red Hood, like Jason Todd, had stayed more of a, like an anti-hero villain, whereas he's more just like kind of a good guy now. But I loved the idea of the Robin who had been murdered coming back and being a bad guy to Batman. I think that's, yeah. that's awesome. And they undid that. So I, I really like that character going on. I think the identity of the savior and the costume... Is kind of dumb, but then I also think there are some cool parts of it. So uh, I'm not being objective, cool comic guy with that. I'm I'm being sort of Tim Drake. I really like Tim Drake. He's probably my favorite Robin. Um, so yeah, and then I give uh, WWE 13 um, and eight. <laughs> it was the best issue of the series so far. Wow, cool. And Thanks. yeah, so that that's me, Ashton. <laughs> You're about to get buckshot, baby. You're loaded into the cannon. You got the nine iron. You got the pistol. Uh, Brayden's walking down the street. His cowboy hat's on. He's seeing a bad guy coming his way. 
He's pulling out that pistol. He's spinning the revolver. And Ashen, look at his little go. The book I chose was Damage. This is the first issue. Uh, it's one of the first books introducing DC's new age of superheroes. And unfortunately, this isn't making me incredibly pumped for it. But um, it's a book about uh, DC's Hulk. Um, and he's just wrecking stuff. Uh, there's a clock, and it's counting down. But then that <laughs> clock disappears halfway through the issue. I don't know where it went. Um, it didn't make it to zero either. It got damaged. Yeah, oh. probably. Um, it's pretty heavy military-esque type of comic book. Lots of guns and damage and strong muscles. Um <laughs> I think my favorite part of this book is the helicopter sound effect is butter, butter, butter. Mmm. Like, Ashton loves butter. Oh, yeah. the blades too. Just yeah. It's some good. It's some good stuff and some more confusing stuff. Um, a confusing Suicide Squad shows up too. That's interesting. So with, if that's your jam. <laughs> with some big legs behind. There's a. Oh yeah, giantess. Oh yeah, um, giganta. And there's an ad for a metal statue. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Damage. <laughs> Damage number one. Oh, gosh. So what was your score on that? I'm gonna give Damage a four. Mm. Mm. Point yeah. five. I would probably give Damage of like a 5.5, and I would maybe do it exclusively for the art, because, yeah, it is just like DC's Hulk, and the clock was an interesting thing that they didn't do anything interesting with, and then... Yeah, well, it's the Hulk and Our Man. Yeah. Because sure. Our Man had his powers for an hour. Apparently, that's Damage's What's, uh, do you restriction, know, too. Do you know some history on Damage at all, Roman? You, you know these things, right? Yeah, I'm curious how... Because I read this, too, and yeah, I agree with the 4.4, 5, right around there. Um yeah, I'm 4. curious because the, the previous damage was uh, he came out of another big DC event, um, the Bloodlines summer crossover, which Hitman came out of. That was the biggest character to come out of that. But damage came out of it too, and that damage was the son of the Golden Age Adam, Al Pratt, except he also had been experimented on, so he had DNA from like all the Justice Society and half of the Justice League. And then he was killed by the Secret Society of Supervillains in Final Crisis? In one of the other big DC events, he was killed by them. <laughs> so I'm curious now, so did he inspire this experiment? This, this, this whole new age of heroes was Gosh. supposed to be characters that are new, that artists created <clears throat> to then team up with writers, to have writers yeah. co-write with them. There are all supposed to be new characters that spin out of metal, but that all, like, fell yeah. apart and well the name's not new but they are different yeah. powers i mean the original damage he had like these power he'd store up this energy and have these massive power bursts if he didn't release the energy did he get massive muscles exp- how big were the muscles no, no he was like a normal just really beefed up dude oh. he wasn't like a monster like this though if he didn't expend his energy yeah he would explode Sure. Or do you like get beefier and beefier before he exploded? How much beef? I don't remember that. I don't remember it being extra beefy. Was it like Trunks' form when he took his Super Saiyan level to like another level super and Saiyan got really bulky, ultra. which was like you know yeah. really strong, but 
ultra slows super you Saiyan. down. It slows you down. Vegeta and Trunks both made some some real strong ultra super saiyan. Mm -hmm. uh, See, I need, no, I know even less about that than I do about Strangers in Paradise. One um, to Canada's arm. Ashton, there's a book coming out called The Beef. Have you seen this in the solicitations? What? Shaky Kane. Shaky Kane's doing the beef, and that seems like an Ashton book to me. I'm going to read it. Yeah. I have been keeping my eye on that. Uh, I'd say I'm about as excited for the beef as I was for the ice cream man. <laughs> you really like these food books. Oh, you know it. Are you excited it. for Vinegar Teeth next week? Oh, yeah. It's a horror one. I like horror. That's uh, It's Colin Bunn, I bet. It's got food in the title. And you should go back and read Star I mean, by, by this artist. Yeah, I uh, really enjoyed On Sound, which was... Uh, Bun's, Bun's highest acclaim of last year. The mm -hmm. steam and wheat buns. Those steam and wheat buns. Mm, yeah. That's why you like the bun books. So... Now I want a Vietnamese bun. Excellent work, everybody. We're Wait, cruising through. We're not through. done, are we? No. No, no. We still got Nick we just finished. What we do have right now is a moment for our, our buckshot haiku round. Oh, yes. We... Listen, if you have it in you to create an artistic tapestry in the form of a haiku about a comic book that you read, please call us and tell us, email us, text us, ask for our number. Um, just write it down and write slip it, it down. To us. And, yeah, exactly. It can be totally anonymous. We love the idea of having ongoing haikus as reviews for the book. Um, this week, we have a haiku from Jay Christensen about a book. Let me find it. The haiku Hokage, if you will. Oh. What? Jay has a haiku for Thor 703, which I previously reviewed. Here is his haiku review. One thing is certain. A fight to death this will be when soldiers are sent. <laughs> Profundity. Thank you, Jay Christensen. Uh, Jay Christian. Cool. Um, you're wonderful. We adore you. Uh, please keep sending those in, Jay. This was your uh, your child. This haiku round. We love yeah. it. I also have a haiku that I wrote for Ice Cream Man. Ice Cream Man number one. This one's me. Ookie Spider Boy. Leave me alone, Spider Boy. Is he a werewolf? <laughs> Gosh. I like it. Sit with that for a minute, boys. <laughs> yeah. Ashton, do you have any? I do. I have oh. one for uh, a book I did talk about. This book is called Damage. Um, <laughs> Give me that haiku, Ashton. Yeah. So here's my haiku. A faltering clock. Um, DC <laughs> unveils a strong boy. Military. Strong. <laughs> 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 DC unveiled a strong boy this week. They sure did. They sure did. Listen, I wish that had been the cover blurb. <laughs> we gotta clean this mess up, boys. Yeah, we created all this fun. We got all the man, toys out. We've been playing together, rolling around in the sunbox. The sunbox. We got two books left. This first of the two. I just want to talk quickly about this is the Further Adventures of Nick Wilson. Um, this is written by Eddie Gorodetsky and Mark Andreico, uh, illustrated by Steven Sadowski. This is a new image, number one, that came out this week, and it's basically about uh, a guy who's grown up, and young. when he was younger, he had superpowers, and he'd become this huge celebrity as the only person in the world that had superpowers. He was helping everybody, and then sort of out of nowhere, one day he was flying, and the powers were gone, and they've been gone since then. And he's been growing up and aging since that. And it's sort of 
uh, an exploration of what does somebody do when they were famous and are no longer famous. Um, more than that, it feels like a book from the 90s. Like, it feels like Astro City or The Watchmen or none of the... It's definitely not as high, high art as either of those, but it seems like a really... Um, straightforward deconstruction of the superhero life and what it is that makes superheroes and then what happens when you're not a superhero anymore. And it gets into sort of just like that, what if a superhero was kind of an everyday person after they stop being super and they get fucking stoned and they have to pretend to be their old selves at birthday parties and they like called their old ex-girlfriends to hang out. And um, I, I really liked it. I it was like very slice of life. The art was nothing to write home about. The writing wasn't spectacular, but it was super relatable and mm-hmm. funny and just like basic human stuff. And he's out of shape and he calls his old high school girlfriend who used to be super hot and she's drawn as just sort of like a normal person the age that she actually is and and he's you know attracted to her and they're talking and it, it's just very like what do you do in the mid like when you have no longer you're no longer chasing your dreams and you're living in the in the waves that exist behind the boat of your previous life that that sort of propelled you forward and uh there's a melancholy that comes to settling and I think that this book sort of just explores that melancholy that comes with settling that I think that all people need to form a relationship with it their life. Either they don't need to settle because they achieve their dreams or um, I guess I choose to believe that everybody kind of chooses to settle on not achieving their dreams to, to some extent or choosing the life that's easier or, or the one that accommodates the means that you want. So um, that was my opinion about it. I, I, I really liked it. Mm. Mm. And I would give it uh, an eight based on that. I, I like the humanity that expresses it, explores... I don't think a hugely wide, accessible personality type, but it was resonant with me. Yeah, I, I didn't really relate to him that much. Like his problems seemed pretty. I don't know, not not that big of problems to me, and I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't bad. Like, and it wasn't always. It wasn't super funny ever, but I don't know. I just uh, I didn't I didn't latch onto it. I didn't uh, I didn't relate to anything like you did. Rum. <laughs> um. I related to it a lot, the whole thing about failure and disappointment, that kind of thing. And this whole page here with the mother, I was like, oh, geez, that's totally me. Um, I'm very curious to follow this up. This is, this was more engaging than I thought it would be for me, actually, because, yeah, unfortunately, I really related to this guy. Um, even the moments getting together with an old ex-girlfriend and being surprised that, oh, yeah, she's she's also come along in life and is different and just, oh, yeah, so am I, gee. Isn't that so um, weird, like... Because maybe you're similar and you have a relationship that you left for the hope of finding that perfect thing in your life. And now you're way past that. And you're like, that was so stupid because perfection and satisfaction Uh is a state of mind. So I left this thing that could have allowed me to be content, to find contentedness. But in fact, I just chose not to be content. And now I'm looking in the past to find this. And even particularly when he meets with her and finds out that, you know, she's achieved some contentment. (laughs) And everything's like, oh, gee, wow. And, you know, the funniest thing for me that I kind of forgot about until I just looked at the cover, he never had a superhero name. Right. He used his name, Nick Wilson. There's a big mm-hmm. NW on mm-hmm. his chest of a superhero suit. It's like, <laughs> that's goofy. I like that. It's a lazy but, like, creative way of not coming up with a name for a superhero right. because they're all taken and they're all silly. Yeah, and I'm curious about this next issue thing because it looks like this guy, this guy serves papers to Nick Wilson and it looks like 
judging by that painting, maybe this guy's father is Nick Wilson's old foe, perhaps. I like that idea. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and there he is up there, too. So, yeah, I'm curious. I'm very curious about this series. I liked it a lot. I like the fact on the cover he's smoking a, using a bong, and he's got his box of cereal and a cup of ramen. The cereal's open upside down. It's just like, he just, guy doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I give it. I give it a five. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a. I'll give it a, s- a seven. Solid seven. Ashton, you read it, right? I did read it. What do you think? I'll give it a. I'll give it a seven. Um, I did enjoy it, and I'll read more. But I don't think I'm the demographic for the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Ashton, you you haven't met failure yet. Your life is up. It's all up to you, baby. Just you got it. I'm on the down end of the slope. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. 36. We all, we all envy you. <laughs> we're all 36, and you're just 12. And you're coming up. That, you're in the sled. The sun's about to rise. You're on Snowball Hill. you got the sheen of ice on the snow. You're up at the golf course. Nobody's up there yet, so the powder runs on that big old toboggan of yours. It's all you. You're Calvin and Hobbes at the same time, buddy. <laughs> Are we all the dad then? We're all dad who's still sleeping because <laughs> because we drank too much last night and uh. life is tough and we're gonna hear about the sledding story when Ashton comes back in in the morning wet and we have to make breakfast for him. <laughs> so Batman. Gosh. <laughs> Batman. Batman. He's a bat he's, and he's a man. Tom he's... King got into some hot water with this Batman book. Yeah, for some reason. Uh, Braden, can you tell me about it? Because I don't really get it. I why well, I, I don't I don't really get it either. Uh, but basically, in this issue, by Tom King and Joel Jones, mm. Batman and Wonder Woman uh, almost kiss. There's a bunch of other stuff that goes on that leads to that moment, but they go into. Uh, Ultimately, yeah, Batman and Wonder Woman promise some guard that they're going to basically go into his war dimension. His hyperbolic time chamber, if you will. Yeah, and give him a break where he's basically been defending these evil hordes from coming into our world by guarding this gate. They go to his world to let him take a nap, Mm -hmm. and they've been fighting him, but time passes faster there than Mm -hmm. it does in our world. Much slower there. Hyperbolic time chamber. It goes real fast in there when it goes normal speed. Yeah, it's here. been a few hours for Catwoman. Okay, yeah, it's, 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 it's fast. Yeah, okay, I, I confused slower yeah. with longer. Wonder it's Batman. a Dragon Ball Z concept. Yeah. yeah, Wonder Woman and Batman have been there for ten years, fighting just the two of them, and they've discovered they can't go back. So. Yeah, it, it seems well, they, like they can't, can't go, go back, back until what's his name makes up his mind to come back. The or gentleman, I think. But the like a lot man. of time, yeah, passes in their world, so maybe they could convince themselves that he's not yeah. going to come back. Ten years of high stress trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fighting together. Of course. And I be. wonder if they're gonna draw him as ten years older from now on. Gosh. Is the complaint that like Batman is womanizing or what's what's uh, the complaint? The, uh, the I think the complaint is just that people don't think Batman and Wonder Woman should be a thing. But weren't they a thing? They were. I think a lot of these people and I haven't read. I mean the they've all been Things that's just yeah. different. Yeah, but Batman times. and Wonder Woman have had more than one period yeah. of being a thing. I get a feeling this is a lot of people making these complaints maybe aren't familiar with the history. Because, yeah, this is just a nod to be right before New 52, Batman and Wonder Woman were a couple, briefly. I mean, but because, you know, working together in JLA and both being powerful and rich in their own different ways, cultures. Um, and, yeah, they were a thing. Then New 52 happened and her and Superman were a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's it, in the context of the story, of course, 
you're trapped for 10 years fighting people daily, fighting demons and stuff with this only other human being around. You're already teammates and friends. Yeah, there's going to be some sexual tension that builds up. Big deal. This isn't unrealistic or something. It's t- Tom King's story to tell, and I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm happily along for this ride. I'll, I'm, I trust him to like not do anything crazy like with these characters like but i mean i also don't really care if he does yeah. actually did you, what did you have thoughts on this batman book uh i've been reading this this is the first batman book i actually read because i jumped on comics more religiously about two years ago when rebirth started um i enjoyed it quite a bit i had no sense of offense from it um it was just another Batman story for me, and I had fun with it. That's just what I've tried to do with the entire series. Uh, and when there's something notably better, talk about it a little more than the other issues. I give this an 8. I think it's another great issue in this run. I love having her art on the book. It's it's phenomenal comic booking. Uh, I preferred the Superman portion of this arc, but I really like seeing his relationship with Wonder Woman, so I, I give it an 8. I think it's still a fantastic book. Uh, I give it an 8 as well. I think it's fantastic as well. I really uh, enjoyed, and I will always enjoy when Tom King does this, but like just Woman, Wonder Woman and Catwoman just kind of teasing Batman for his ridiculousness. Yeah. Like they, they literally say ridiculous in this oh, issue yeah. for his Silly, like his silly, but very cool, but very silly costume. His bat yeah. armor, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're always like kind of poking fun at him, which I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman has this line in there about how silly men are when they get all geared up for battle mm-hmm. and everything, and, <laughs> and she's just like, "Oh, pat, pat, nice little man." <laughs> um, yeah, I will also give it eight, uh, eight, eight cheating, cheating Batman's. Possibly cheating. They don't even possibly cheating. Okay, <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> they swap breath. That's true. They each other. <laughs> Ashton, uh, I would give this issue of Batman a seven. Um, this has been a really good arc, but this was definitely uh, one of the less arc. Less arc. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked the other issues more than this one. Not to say that this one was bad. It was still. Very enjoyable and worth my time. Because who doesn't love seeing Batman with a sword and shield <laughs> oh, cutting off Hydra's heads? And shaving with an axe. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> shaving with an axe. That was Django shout out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, a little bit of cleanup. Thanks a bunch to Nick Waite for letting us use his intro music and outro music. You can find his music at soundcloud.com slash stemmingway. It's very good. I love it. Stemmingway is spelled like Hemingway. Yeah, S-T-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y. M-O-U-S-E. Right? One M? Yeah. Okay. One M. One, just like the Hemingway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, also, if you have thoughts, we would really, really, really love to hear them. So you could leave us a voicemail. You could send us an audio file through our email at info at the comics place. Write um, us a haiku. You could write us a haiku. Please do. Uh, the voicemail is super easy to leave, and you can leave several, and we'll take the one that you clear as being the final one. Um, but the phone number for that is 1-619-663-663. 7336. Uh, give us a call. We would love to hear it and play it, and it gives us something to talk about on here, which is awesome. Yes. We love each other, 
but we love you all just as much. Yeah. Tell, tell us, give us a voicemail about the comings and goings of your lives. Yeah, what are you doing? Where do you read your books? Is this yeah. the first time you've listened? Is it the last time you've listened? Tell me your thoughts on an issue. Just ask us a question. What's your favorite cereal? Yeah, do you like life cereal? Have Brayden had, and Roman have never had it. Have we you should, heard we of should do. Cereal? We should do a perfectly acceptable cereal podcast. We just did like for oh, oh, twenty yeah, minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that'll all get used. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> but Soggy. I will definitely be talking about. Uh, sorry. I'm Jeff, and I will definitely be talking about WWE issue 14 next month. I'm Brayden, and I will try to read it so I can talk about it, too. I'm Roman, and I guess I should read it, too. But I am going to watch the Royal Rumble with you guys. This coming Sunday, and also on Monday, the 25th anniversary of Raw, which is what this issue was about, which just highlighted a bunch of great stories from the last 25 of Raw, which is why it was the best issue. Ah, cool. I'm Ashton. Uh, I'll be talking about Bloodborne and some level of talking. We'll get you on for the Bloodborne because you love the game and the comic and Alish Cott. Yeah. Ugh. That's going to be Ashton's episode. Ashton Hour. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. 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 So long.